Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. Now here's your host, Richard Carthon. Did you know that Cryptocurrent now has its own apparel shop? Well, look no further. If you want the latest gear from the Cryptocurrent crew, please check out both our show notes and our website where you can get anything from a long sleeve shirt to joggers to sweatshirts to tank tops, hats, you name it we have some pretty swagged out gear for you. So if you're in love with our brand just as much as we are, please check out our gear today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent, your host here, Richard Carthon. And today I have a special guest that is going to be informing us on a lot of ways that we can be protecting our assets, um, especially as it relates to crypto and everything that we're doing on top of the blockchain. So we have a very special guest, Brian Bradley with Bradley Legal Corp. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Richard. Thanks. And thanks for having me on. And this is going to be a, you know, a really hot topic. And, you know, I'm not an expert in crypto and I'm, you know, not a guru. I'm just an asset protection attorney, uh, attorney. And, you know, it's just my niche just happens to focus on really rich, wealthy clients who are, you know, investing in cryptocurrency as well. And so at the end of the day, we've got to protect what we have, right? Oh, 100%. And there's always more that we can be doing to uh, not only protect ourselves, but protect what the, the wealth that we're creating and hopefully going to be either using for the betterment of our, our, our livelihoods and our families. And we want to make sure that we can keep all that as secure as possible. So I thought this was going to be a really good opportunity to give some people some more perspective. Of course, a lot of people in this space know different ways that they can protect their crypto, whether it's through cold wallets and other things like that. But there's even more that you might not uh, have knowledge on. So we wanted to give that perspective. So before we dive into all of that, Brian, first, we want to learn a little bit more about you. Can you give us some background on yourself? Yeah. So, you know, background on me, I, you know, got into law as an injured athlete in college and I kind of had to like, you know, refocus that uh, energy and competitiveness. So I ended up going to law school because mom was like, you should really think about going to law school. You know, like you like philosophy and, you know, good with logic. So I went to law school, uh, you know, I was supposed to end up being the next, you know, big prosecutor. The economy crashed in, what was it, 08, 09, and 010. And so that job ended up getting rescinded. And ended up transitioning into civil practice, which the economy wiped out. And so just to get experience, I literally went to like state-by-state state agencies and were like, hey, I need to get in the court and you have all these clients and you guys can't pay lawyers to go in and do these trials on. I'll do these trials for free. Just cover, you know, pay the covering costs. Wow. What? No way. I'm like, yeah, seriously. Like I just need to go and get in the court. And so that's how I got all this, you know, trial experience as a young attorney back, you know, like 12 years ago. And that trickled down into just getting like high profile cases. And I just realized so many people are marks and getting taken advantage of just because simply you own something that other people don't have, like you've investment properties or, you know, you have a white coat because you're a doctor with a nice car. Next thing you know, you're getting sued or the negligence of your life. And I got tired of seeing people getting run through the, the ringer just because they chose to let, you know, live a better lifestyle and, and invest their money. And so I started looking at it as a different perspective of how we protect this. And I reached out 
you know, about 10 years ago to the top, you know, three firms in the nation that were doing it at the time and saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is who you are. Let's find a way to work together. And, you know, with my trial background, it helped, you know, increase the type of protection that we have, because at the end of the day, when you create asset protection plans, we, I really only care what happens in court, not when you're not getting sued. Like I want to make sure they're nice and strong for when they're getting challenged by the attorney across the way from you trying to tear them apart. And um, it just transitioned into now 100% of my practice because like, I enjoy the practice of law. I'm one of those weird people who like taxes as well and investing my money and making more money. So it kind of allowed me to marry all of my passions into one building. Got it. So you have a, a background in uh, playing sports back in college. I do too. We'll talk more offline on that. But you took that and you were like, I want to go do trial work. Went into uh, the 2008 recession essentially and then said, I'm going to go work for free. I'm going to go figure this out. I'm going to get really good at trial law. And then found your niche within asset protection. And so during all this time, when did you first learn and start to hear about you know cryptocurrency and blockchain? And when did it pique your interest to start to learn more about how you can start working with clients within that space? Yeah, it's a, a good question. Um, you know, really as an investment for myself, I didn't start invest, investing in cryptocurrency until maybe a year ago. Um, like I knew about it beforehand. It was more just you know small amount of people specking into it. Um, most of my clients didn't have it at the time, but just as an asset protection attorney, I just have to stay on top of what people are buying, you know, and generally if, you know, people have a lot of money, they're investing their money in a bunch of different areas. So we got to learn about it. Um, and my partner or, you know, affiliate attorney, senior affiliate, Doug, Douglas Lodmill was, you know, actually a big crypto guy and blockchain guy. And, you know, even tried creating his own mining companies and everything like that. So I would just listen to what he had to say and, you know, trickle down effect down the line. And then just one day about, you know, a year and a half ago, just every single client started having, you know, crypto investments. And um, but what they weren't understanding is just how the IRS defined these things and that they do exist. They are discoverable. If you do get sued, they have to be disclosed. If you don't, you go to jail for perjury. And then it's a matter of now that we know these things exist, which we can break this stuff down later on. How do we protect this from lawsuits to where they're not going to be forced, you know, where I'm not going to be able to like have my cryptocurrencies taken from me to exercise on some judgment? So how do we legally go about protecting our cryptocurrencies? And so just by nature of what our business is, we always have to stay on top of, you know, assets and where people are placing their money. Yeah. And I'm sure that by looking deeper into this, there's a lot of different areas or scenarios that people don't necessarily think through, but in worst case scenarios should have a plan for it. So as you look at this, and, and like you said, a lot of your initial clients didn't necessarily get into it, but as they began to, you started researching and looking more into how you could start protecting. What were some of the reoccurring pieces, the first steps of like, okay, I see this keeps happening. How do I at least start this first step of creating some protection? Generally, the first steps are people realize they have something. And then they call me because either a neighbor gets sued or their business gets sued, a family member gets sued and they get wiped out and they get scared. And then they call and say, hey, um, we need to do something for ourselves because we're living open and exposed. But most of the clients, when they call in and I ask them, hey, how much crypto you know, do you own in crypto? And they're like, oh, why do you want to know that? Because it doesn't exist. And then I have to go literally through the explanation of 
It does exist. The IRS defines it as a property. Here's the consequences. Now here's how we have to protect it. So most of the time, it's just people owning, you know, some sort of cryptocurrency and exchanges, but thinking it's just like doesn't exist and it's off on its own. And it's just by the, by nature of purchasing it, that it by itself is a product of asset protection, which it's not. And so then I have to explain how we go about protecting it after I explain the reality of what it actually is. So let's start there. So how does the IRS define cryptocurrency and um, how are people not aware of it and, and how can it affect them either from a tax standpoint or even from a place that they're trying to come and take the, for consequences that potentially come, let's, let's just start there. Yeah, let's just, yeah, I think we can just talk, you know, like taxing crypto, you know, right. And then like, should we even go like buy a car with it? And so you have to remember, and the big point here is that crypto is a property as defined by the IRS. So I'm going to say this again, the IRS defines cryptocurrency as a property. So it's going to be taxed per each transaction. And what this means is that, for example, when you sell cryptocurrencies, it's a taxable event. Or when you convert it from one coin to another, like Ethereum to Bitcoin or Bitcoin to something else, you know, like ADA or whatever, or if you use it to buy anything like a car, you know, or like any other type of asset, you know, like the pizza guy, you're like, oh, I got a Bitcoin for selling a piece of pizza. Um, you know, that's a transaction. You know, you'll pay capital gains tax on it. And any crypto transfers, you know, that are in excess amount of things like right now, $10,000, they need to be reported to the IRS as well. And so now if you just buy and hold crypto and, you know, you never sell it, no, that's not a transaction yet. So that does not really, you know, apply to you. And you don't need to disclose it or report it. Um, if you're a U.S. citizen, just remember that, again, crypto is a property. And so it's going to be taxed exactly like a stock sale. And the challenge is that with a lot of like the crypto, the crypto crowd here, you know, they act like it's the wild, wild west and that they're prone to just want to go find a workaround that fits into their mindset or, you know, that the answer that they want to hear and don't really want to hear the truth. And so just, they'll just start keep looking around for anybody that's going to tell them what they want to hear to validate their thoughts. And then they get in trouble down the road. The reality is that, you know, you actually have multiple taxable events, like I mentioned, that come along with your crypto. It's just not as simple as saying that, hey, I owe no taxes until I convert it back to fiat currency or to dollars. That's what a lot of people's thoughts are or that they think that they can just create some entity and tax structure in another country, you know, run off like Puerto Rico is like the big one that, I, you know, people keep calling and talking to me about. And I think that they're just going to be off the radar and don't have to disclose their holdings and not pay taxes on it, or that that might even affect them positively in a lawsuit, which I'll you know talk about that later on. It's just incorrect. So if you own crypto in your portfolio, just make sure that your CPA is familiar with crypto and that it's up to date on it. You know, they're up to date on the regulations and they're always changing. I mean, they can change after this airs or, you know, like while we're even talking on the phone, it's just, everything's always moving fast in the digital world right now. And again, like, I just want to beat this point into like, you know, your audience's head here is that the IRS classifies crypto as a property. And so then you are taxed on transactions and capital gains. And even that definition of it being a property has a big effect on your ability to protect it during lawsuits. So let's, let's go there. So um, 
let's say that uh, you are potentially in a lawsuit and you don't necessarily have a ton of assets to your name, but you do have some crypto. You've been holding on to that and been doing stuff with that. How, how can you walk us through like scenario like that? Hey, Cryptocurrent crew, this is Steve Miller, and I'm the host of CC Live, the show that keeps you up to date with what's popping off in crypto land. Every episode of CC Live brings you the latest news, keeps you updated on the top projects, and decrypts everything you need to know to get ahead in the wild world of Web3. So if you really want to stay Cryptocurrent, join Richard, Chris, and I every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on YouTube Live. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to Cryptocurrent's YouTube channel today, and as always, stay Cryptocurrent. Absolutely. And I actually am getting more and more of this to where it used to be most of my clients had basically, you know, 90% of the portfolio in real estate and, you know, some of it in a large stock, you know, portfolio. Now I'm getting clients, not the majority of them, but a good amount where they're like, I, they literally have no 401k, no stock accounts, zero real estate. And now hundred percent of their portfolio is all digital currency investments with like millions of dollars in the accounts. Um, and how we go about protecting it is actually really simple. We would just assign them to a asset management limited partnership um, or into an or into an asset protection trust. You know, either way, um, into directly into an asset protection, specifically a bridge trust, um, which is just a name that we use by reference. But we just want to make sure those exchanges and those wallets are are not in your name, and then. The benefit of transferring your crypto exchanges and wallets into your trust or like a limited partnership for a management company is simply that if a person like you who's investing in crypto or like Bitcoin, you do get sued you know, or you do go into debt, the courts can force you to disclose all of your assets and your holdings. And this also includes currencies and properties. This then includes your digital cryptocurrencies. Remember, it's defined as a property. So this goes without saying that since crypto is a legal property and it can be subject to court orders and disclosures and liens and even, you know, the exchanges that you're investing in can be subpoenaed to reveal the account ownerships and the information and the amounts and the funds available that you have. So these funds are very vulnerable to being seized by creditors. So the only way to really protect your cryptocurrency is to include it in your asset protection planning like you would any other asset like real estate. And so there is this misconception, you know, we were chatting about before we started recording, that cryptocurrency is untraceable and there's no way to know if you own it or how much you own. This is just not the case. In fact, I think like Forbes wrote an article about this topic like last year. Um, But when you're in a lawsuit and the discovery is served on you, which means like you're getting sued, the other attorney sends your attorney a bunch of questions, you know, that you have to answer. And then judges sometimes send out asset disclosure lists. And then a judge orders you to disclose your assets. You either lie under oath and commit perjury and say you don't own any, or you go to and you go to jail for that, or you just disclose it. And each transaction you need to remember that you make is recorded in that audible blockchain ledger. And the exchanges again can be served subpoenas on, and they will disclose what you own and how much. And the IRS is already tracking this stuff anyways. And so the good thing is that when you transfer your cryptocurrency into an asset protection trust or that limited partnership, 
you know, the trust itself is a grantor's trust. And because it's a grantor's trust, you have no tax issues transferring it into it. So some people transfer um, their, uh, their exchanges into purely offshore trusts, like a pure foreign Cook Island trust or a Belize trust or, you know, Caymans, whatever. And that's not needed. And that would actually expose you to mand mandatory disclosures. And then you'd be required to report your assets every year that you own in that trust because you have to disclose all your assets that you have in purely foreign offshore trust with the IRS and entities. So it actually goes against what you're trying to do. So what you want is to have some sort of offshore strength, which we can break down a bridge trust and what a bridge trust even is, you know, later on. Um, but then you want to domesticate it here in the U.S. And you just need to remember your crypto is a property. So we need to protect it like we normally would. So a lot to unpack there. One of the first things that I definitely want to reemphasize to people, especially the newer people, is that, yes, when things are put on blockchain, blockchain is a digital database when you can follow everything. You literally can follow the money, you can follow transactions all the way through the course of origin to where they ultimately end up. Now, you don't necessarily know where the end origin is, whether it's a wallet or who that wallet is, et cetera, but you can follow the money. Now, one of the things that you brought up as far as being able to protect was uh, creating this uh, this trust. Now, can you kind of, uh, the brain trust, can you kind of bridge explain? Trust. Bridge trust. Bridge trust. Can you kind of uh, go into explaining a little bit what is a bridge trust and, and how it's being utilized? Yeah, so a bridge trust is, is a hybrid trust of a domestic U.S.-based trust and a foreign trust, specifically a Cook Islands trust. So think of it like a hybrid car, okay? You're, you're taking the best of both. You're taking the strength of a Cook Islands trust and combining it with the domesticated ease of use of a U.S.-based trust. And so a bridge trust has been around for over 28 years, almost 30 years, and it is now the premier trust to kind of use for high net worth investors. Like basically generally someone who has a million dollars or more. Now at the end of the day, it is a fully registered foreign offshore asset protection trust with all that 40 years worth of work in case law all the way up to the Supreme Court. So it's, again, it's fully, it is a fully registered foreign offshore trust from the day we create it with an offshore trustee in standby, like number two position in your back pocket, just in case you ever need them. But what we do is we build the bridge back for IRS purposes so that the IRS classifies that foreign trust as actually a domestic U.S. trust. And we do this by complying with USC Section 7701. It's what's called the court test and the control test. And it's like having two passports. You can have your Swiss passport and your U.S. passport. And as long as you have your U.S. passport, the U.S. will consider you a U.S. resident. The same thing here is true with trust. As long as you meet that two-part test under a USC Section 7701, the U.S. is going to say that it's a domestic trust. So as long as you have a U.S. jurisdiction that has primary supervision over your trust, so like Nevada, and then you meet the court test by saying, hey, and then adding you into the trust as a trustee, as long as we meet those tri that criteria, the IRS is going to classify that trust as um, a domestic trust. And so now what you have is you have all the strength of a foreign trust, which is called statutory non-recognition. We don't recognize any country's quarters or judgments in our back pocket, including the U.S. But what we're doing now is making it cheaper to set up because normally a foreign trust is going to cost like forty dollars to $70,000 to set up and like $12,000 a year to maintain. 
So you have the strongest trust in the world, but most people aren't going to be able to afford to create them. But by domesticating it, it's now going to be cheaper to maintain. You're going to have that strength in the back pocket. But by being classified by the IRS domestically, now we don't have to do those IRS disclosures. So now we don't have to disclose what you know cryptocurrencies currencies you're holding in this trust like you would if you're purely foreign. You're not going to have to file those what um, 3520s and 3520As disclosing all the assets that the trust has. You're not going to have to do FACTA disclosures. So now it's cheaper to maintain and you're not going to have any tax filings because it's domestic. Worst case scenario, you have a doomsday lawsuit. You have to disclose what you own in the lawsuit because it's pending litigation. You're going to get the discovery served on you. We would do what's called breaking that bridge. Now the trust is purely foreign. Now you're going to be removed as control, but now all your assets are going to be safe. And if it's cryptocurrencies, we can go so far as now as have the offshore trustee recreate new wallets and exchanges and then move the assets. Well, that is very intricate and very, it's, it's thought out. So obviously this is not your first rodeo and you have been through a lot of ways within the legal ways to protect crypto assets. But like you said, it it sounds like it's, it is a little bit, or it's an investment to get all of this set up, but it's probably the most secure way to both protect yourself, to not also have to be reporting everything. And then if, by some chance you are finding yourself in some litigation and still need to protect yourself. You still have that in your back pocket, kind of like you said. So you're kind of, you're kind of protecting yourself from all angles. Correct. And it's all set up before, <clears throat> before you need it. And then you're not doing the illegal stuff like hiding assets, which then the IRS will eventually discover and drop the heavy hammer on you. Um, you know, and you need to, and by then realizing, okay, this is a, you know, IRS classified, you know, asset as a property now let's just protect it how it should be like a normal property. And there's just like typical asset protection. It's just a matter of making sure the proper layers are in place and managed. Right. Uh, and and I know this is very interesting. And I know a lot of people who you've, you've perked a lot of ears. As like, I mean, just people who are going to be listening to this are going to be like, never realize this is an option, how to get this going. And it sounds like something that uh, you and your firm um, kind of like specialize in. So for someone looking to set something up like this, would they be able to work with you on this? Are there other things that you'd be able to potentially work with them with? Yeah, they can work. So we represent clients nationally and we have, you know, probably close to 4,000 clients protecting over 5 billion worth of assets. And so like some of my clients have, I think like it's worth like 15 million worth of cryptocurrencies. Um, wow. So yeah, so um, point being, we work with everybody, nation and worldwide. It's asset protection, so it's just basically, you know, transactional. And yeah, so they were, you know, we're, we're not exclusive to one state, uh, which is great. And um, I'm sure there'll be people calling with with some questions. But as a follow up to that, as more and more assets are are being introduced into the crypto space, whether it's through um, NFTs, DeFi, um, Metaverse, everything else, how do you see the law continuing to evolve in the future as more and more of the world is moving towards blockchain? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think like, you know, the great thing about the blockchain is that, you know, you're providing for secure transfers, you know, of secure, non-repeatable bits of information, you know, coming from one person to another anywhere in the world. And so is this is really a digital form of actual property title. You know, this is it's, it's called a digital signature. 
And so instead of me having, you know, like a piece of paper, which, you know, like I know not all of your people are going to be able to see me waving a piece of paper. So, you know, instead of having an actual like tangible document, which I can forge and then have to go into like all this whole legal battle of like, is it like real evidence and chain of title? Well, now we have it all connected through an unauditable, you know, changeable blockchain. And this is really is revolutionary to where someone can't just say like, I don't like this. I'm going to go and erase it and, and change it. And so it's there, it's traceable. And then you're going to start getting into more digital contracts and even digital trust for like transferring immediately title. And, and the great thing about that blockchain is you don't need third-party you know, administrators on this. It can just start becoming peer-to-peer. And so this is one of the beautiful things you know, about the, the blockchain is when you're talking about a distrust in you know, uh, fiat currencies and like the government, and you're talking about distrust of third-party banks and the banking system, and the financial system, well, partly why they're so mad about it is because it takes them out of the equation. And now this is going to become peer-to-peer through billions and billions of people. Right. Um, and so many good points there. And it, it's just... This is where things are headed and there's going to be a lot more ways that because things are going to be a little bit more transparent, it allows for more ways to potentially litigate. And actually brings me to, uh, go ahead. I wasn't going to say anything. I was just adjusting. Uh, Yeah. I was was going to say, man, like um, you've given us a lot of really good information, a lot of good things to unpack and and that we can work with. And I always like to finish with a couple of fun questions. And one that kind of comes up in this unique situation when we have a lawyer on, on, you have had years of litigation. You've dealt with all kinds of different types of trials. If you had like a couple of things that you could impart wisdom to people who typically don't know about, I don't know if they ever find themselves in some legal mess, what do you think are one to two like core things that a lot of people get tripped up on that if they like just tidbits of like, Hey, hopefully you're not getting troubled. If you get in trouble, like one or two or three of these things will really help you. Yeah, I'd be like, one, if you have something to protect, protect it before you get in trouble, before you get sued, um, because we can't do anything for you after the fact. You're in the rabbit hole. I can, I'd have to exempt the lawsuit. So to protect things, it has to be set up beforehand, not after the fact. You know, it's like trying to get insurance after you hit somebody with your car, after your house burns down. They're just going to deny you. You know, yeah. so, so same thing in the asset protection world. Um, and then the next thing is don't try to be the expert. Okay, you know, if I go to see my doctor, I'm not a doc, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm going to listen to what kind of my my medical doctor says. So vet your attorney, find one that you trust, and then as you go through, ask your questions. But I wouldn't be second, not always second guessing and saying like, okay, I'm going to try to be, you know, pretend to be the attorney here. Um, that tends to go south, and it really burns, you know, the relationship with the attorney that you want to protect you, and actually ruins your case. Um, so protect yourself beforehand. Get a good attorney. Don't play attorney, and you know just take get the get expert advice when you know you're you're need a good CPA. Get a good CPA who knows cryptocurrency. Yeah, I think three solid gems there. Um, with everything that you've been through your like journey of life and learning what you have, if you could go and give yourself one to two pieces of wisdom when you were first getting started in your lawyer lawyer career, what would you tell yourself? Um. You win more battles with kindness sometimes. <laughs> like you got to be tough and you can't get pushed around. But sometimes, you know, if you come off too strong, you're just asking for a fight. So I, I, I learned, you know, walk softly, carry a big stick. If you're always walking around with a big stick, swinging around, most of the time you're, you're always going to be fighting and then you might lose more. Um, and then the other one is just, uh, 
you know, like we were talking about how, you know, the athletes thing, like sometimes we can't, we have pride. So I'd be like, check your ego at the door. Yeah. Uh, two, two great ones. Uh, great reminders for, for myself and for everyone listening, just kill people with kindness. Um, sometimes you, you know, you gotta be ready for war, but you're going to do a lot more good with, with being kind and, um, don't let your pride get in the way. So, uh, thank you for those two great reminders. But as we wrap up here, Brian, what is a final thought that you want to leave with everyone? Yeah. Like a new one that I've been kind of thinking of is people always ask about money, how to make money, how to protect money, you know, but unless your mind is right, you know, like in your managing your life, I would say like get your toxic dysfunction of your, like yourself or your life and the people you affiliate under control, because then it'll be amazing how fast your money accelerates when you're under control, your mindset's under control and you surround yourself with great people and successful people you're going to accelerate so far financially, but it doesn't work until you have the mindset. 100%. So appreciate that final thought. Get your mind right. Uh, Brian, what are ways that people can connect with you, learn more about what you got going on um, if they want to reach out? Yeah, you can jump on my website, www.btblegal.com. I do it more as a legal resource and educational website. I did lots of case law, lots of educational videos. I'd rather people just learn about how to properly protect stuff and layer their asset protection plan. Then you can be armed to go and talk and vet attorneys because now you have some knowledge background supported by case law to ask them the questions and see if they have answers to them. Um, or you can just reach me out on my website, www, uh, Brian, B-R-I-A-N at btblegal.com. I generally do a one-hour free consultation just because I'd rather have you have you know, good advice. And then whether we work together or not, you know, I would just say, take, you know, the consultation and evaluation and run with it. Absolutely. Well, Brian, um, I'm sure you're going to have some people reaching out. Thanks again for sharing all the information that you did today. And of course, for everyone listening, stay Cryptocurrent. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from CECG83. I've heard about cryptocurrency for a while and I finally decided to learn more. Cryptocurrent was recommended. I'm glad I checked it out. Excellent content that makes it easy to learn about different companies building in this space. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com.
thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.